What are there? It is. <laughs> well, I appreciate your being here tonight. It's been a good time. I've enjoyed, always do enjoy being here with you folks. And uh, look forward to, as the Lord tarries, being back in September of 2022. Hi, Rascal. Let's see, you are you, you're not Leah, you are Ava. Ava, that's right, Ava Gabor, that's right. We talked about that. Tell your sister the fish were biting today. All right, that's why I'm sore. See you in the rowboat for two hours. Anyway, take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1. And uh, I don't have a long study tonight. A lot of my messages are not long theological dissertations. Um, I'm not here to teach the whole Bible. We're here to, as an evangelist, and a pastor is the teacher. The evangelist is kind of the challenger. Some have referred to the pastor as the shepherd and the evangelist as the sheepdog. You know, uh, some people like to tease about evangelists. They come in, they they blow and blow up and blow out, you know, and leave all the pieces behind, and the pastor has to put them all back. That's not biblical. We joke about that, but uh, frankly, any evangelist who does that is not fit to be in the ministry and, and serve the Lord. Um, I believe that when I'm in a local church, and I'm in a lot of them every year, that I'm a guest in your pastor's pulpit. This is not my pulpit. Uh, this is his. I'm a guest here. This is not, I can't come and say, well, you're, you may be the pastor, but I'm the, I'm the evangelist, and what I say goes this week, folks. I'm a guest, and I need to behave like a guest. And, uh, and I appreciate the way your pastor has treated me, and he's been very, very kind to me. But the, uh, the idea of the evangelist not just coming in here like a wolf, he's not to be a wolf and tear up the, the flock. A, sheep, a sheepdog doesn't tear up the flock. He nips at the heels. And the sheep get a little nervous when he's around, but... The ultimate upshot is that the sheep are drawn closer to the shepherd when the sheepdog's around. And I hope that uh, maybe as a result of our time together this week, you'll be drawn closer to be behind the ministry of your pastor. Uh, I've never been one for fancy titles for messages, so tonight we're just calling it Nothing New Under the Sun. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and beginning at verse 9 down to verse 11. The thing that hath been... It is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new? It hath already been of old time which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come hereafter. Now, we may have some new gadgets and things like that, but as far as principles of life and living, there's nothing new under the sun. The devil's been at his work a long time. He's very boring. He doesn't seem to have a lot of variety in the way he attacks, but God has no end of variety in the way he supplies for the needs of the Lord's people. Uh, one of the burdens of my heart as we go through these, these uh, pandemic days, and uh, if you want to know what pandemic means... I'm not allowed to say it from the pulpit, but you ask me after the service, and I'll be glad to tell you. It's not a bad word. It's just that we don't talk about political things from the pulpit. But these difficult times, maybe he does, but I don't. Uh, a lot has happened in this Christian church. It is estimated that I think they said one in five churches is expected to close in the next, what, year and a half? 
because people have gotten used to not going to church. Uh, one pastor described this idea of, of being on Zoom and Facebook as church on life support. And that's, that's a good way to put it. But folks, when people come to the place where they think, well, man, I don't need to go to church. I can stay home and watch it on, on TV. That's a carnal Christian. That's a clear mark of a carnal Christian. Folks, and by the way, it's disobedience to the word of God because the Bible says we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, face to face. This is not a political statement, but I will say this. Some will regard it as such. Every governor, including Wolf and, and uh, the guy out in California and all these places that are putting restrictions on churches, have become and are federal criminals because they are in violation of federal law. There is no higher law in the land than the Constitution of the United States. And if you didn't get yours, be sure to pick one up. I think there's a few left on the table out there after the service tonight. And our founding fathers left us a guarantee that the government cannot make any law establishing a religion or, 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 get this, prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And the First Amendment also allows for the peaceful assembly. Now, with regard to John MacArthur, there's a lot I don't agree with him about, but I stand with him 100% in his battle with the government right now. The government of California is, is all in favor of the rioters, the people who are destroying property and killing and burning and, and wanting to overthrow America, but they're going after the peaceful assembling of honest, good-working citizens in their worship services in a clear violation of federal law. Uh, the one pastor already has been uh, fined over $200,000 in, in uh, Santa Clara, California, North Valley Baptist Church. I hope they're not going to pay it. Just let them keep going and let them keep going until finally this, this thing has to be settled at some point in favor of the churches. If it's not, our country is gone. I, I'm concerned about Christians today who want to be, want to be half-hearted. They, they don't want to really get too, too involved in the church. They just want to kind of go along as it's convenient for them. So I've got just uh, three or four things here I'd like to leave with you tonight. Uh, describing modern professing, and I'm going to emphasize the word professing Christians. Folks, professing and possessing are two different things. And so uh, one of the things about a, a modern day professing Christian is they give lip service to God. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, we don't need to turn it, I'll read it for you. Jesus said, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah the prophesy of you, saying, The people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now Jesus here was speaking to the Pharisees. Uh, he was speaking to them and of them, calling them hypocrites. The religious leaders of our Lord's day uh, were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were nothing more than religious hypocrites. They said one thing and did something else completely differently. Oh, they'd give lip service to God, but in their actions they were far, far from him. Isaiah 29, 13, there we read these words, Therefore, or rather, wherefore, the Lord said, For as much as this people... Draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. In other words, 
They give lip service to God, but their actions speak louder than their words. Remember that verse we looked at in Titus chapter 1, I think it was in uh, the other night, where, where Paul was talking about, or rather, yeah, Paul was writing to Titus, one of the pastors, and, and he gave this uh, tremendous statement. He said, uh, under the pure all things are pure, but under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. And here's the part. They profess to know God. But in works they deny him being abominable and unto every good work reprobate. And so God says to Isaiah, the Lord says, you come with me, your mouth and your lips, but your hearts couldn't be any further from, from where I am. And there are people today, folks, who want to call themselves Christians and be as close to the world and as much like the world as they can and still name the name of Christ. You know, years ago, it used to be, I never thought I'd live long enough and be old enough to say, it used to be, you know. You can say that, though, can't you? It used to be that Grandpa was good to you. Anyway, you do have a good Grandpa. Uh, But I remember as as a boy, her age... Uh, the, the evangelists would come, and many times the evangelists would have a little uh, four, uh, five by seven, uh, sometimes a four by six, black and white gloss, because nobody did color in those days, glossy photograph of them you could buy for a quarter, and they, they'd autograph it for you. And some people thought, well, that's kind of egotistical. No, it was, it was in, their, in their day, it was equivalent to prayer cards of our day. And the whole idea was to, you know, buy, buy a picture of the evangelist or the team there and, and we'll sign it for you. And then you can put it up in your room and pray for us. I've been in a number of teenage homes in the last few years. And even youngsters, so younger than teenage years. And folks, there's nothing in that bedroom that would suggest that that child or that teenager knows the Lord. And yet they're from a Christian home. What graces the walls? The rock stars. And by the way, not always so-called Christian rock artists. Many times it's unsafe secular rock artists as well. Folks, it shows that they give lip service. I'm a Christian, yeah. And the attitude is, I want to see how much I can be like the world and yet still name the name of Christ. Remember the, uh, the leaders of Israel back in, in Samuel's day? They said, you know, you're getting old and your boys aren't doing like you do. We want you to make us a king. And why do, you, why do we want a king? So we can be like all the nations of the world. So we can be like everybody else. And what the elders of Israel did not realize was that it was not the judges that led the people astray. In fact, it was the judges, read the book of Judges, who brought God's people back to the Lord. It was the kings that they demanded that ultimately led them away from God into idolatry and human sacrifice and all kinds of evil, wicked things to the point where God had to judge and deliver the northern kingdom of Israel uh, into the Assyrian uh, captivity and the southern kingdom of Judah ultimately 50 years later into the Babylonian captivity that lasted for 70 years. And folks, Israel as a people, the Jewish people, have never to this day recovered from that captivity. And they will not for many years to come unless Jesus comes very soon. In Ezekiel 33, verse 31, the Bible says, And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after covetousness. Lip service to God. Uh, Like the bumper sticker, honk if you love Jesus. 
And these people are usually very, very emotional. Uh, They emphasize Jesus the man, but there's no real depth to the teaching in those kinds of churches. They, with with their mouth show love, they, they say, I love you, but their works deny that love and show their disobedience and disregard for God. Folks, we need to guard against becoming a lip service only Christian. Amen? God deliver us from becoming a lip service Christian. Number two. And that is the fact that they like to be entertained. They like to be entertained. Ezekiel chapter 31. And uh, I want to read verses 31 and 32 this time. I think I'm in the wrong passage. Hang on here a second. I'm sorry, it's Ezekiel 33, 31. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, that they sit before thee as my people, and they hear my words. But they will not do them, for their mouth, with their mouth they show much love, but with their heart they goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, that I kind of identify there, for they hear thy words, but they do them not. They like to be entertained but they don't want to have any serious commitment to God. I had a lady go out of a service one time several years ago now, and, and, and obviously she was not used to being in church, not a, not a fundamentalist, if a Christian at all. And she said to me, she went out, she said, man, she said, you put on a neat show. Uh, what do you say? I said, well, well thanks, I appreciate that. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I understand, but see, I understand where she's coming from. To her, it's entertainment. Folks, I'm not an entertainer. I'm not in the entertainment business. I'm in the ministry of preaching the gospel, and the sacred music is, I I hope and trust, it's a ministry that undergirds the preaching of the word and is an added blessing to the Lord's people. That's why I like to do familiar songs and and, and even have people turn in the books so they can follow along and and get the the impact of the message and, and not just hear a pretty tune being played on an instrument. So we have the idea of they can play on an instrument, they, they hear by voices, they have lovely voices, can sing well. Uh, you know, churches, these CCM churches today, where emphasis is on skits and plays and rock concerts and all kinds of things like that. They want to feel good when they worship. I've actually had people say, well, when I, when I worship God, I want to feel good. Can I say this to you folks? Worship is not about you and how you feel. Worship is all about God. When we start worrying about our feelings, you know what we're doing? We're worshiping ourselves. We're becoming idolaters. And there are tons and tons of people right here in northeastern Pennsylvania who pick a church based upon the kind of entertainment, that is the kind of music that's going to be performed. And those churches that have a lot of the rock concerts and a lot of the contemporary music are usually often very shallow in their Bible preaching. Rick Warren uh, of the, the infamous Saddleback Church, uh, he's a, I don't even know that Rick Warren truly knows the Lord. He's trying to, to get together Christianity with Islam and call it Christlam. That would be an indication to me that he doesn't understand what the gospel is. And you know what he wrote in his book on the, on the purpose-driven church, among other things, and there are others that are on this, along this line as well. The idea is that they don't want to have people like you and me, the mature Christians who, who want to be fed the word of God. They just assume we leave because we're a hindrance to them building a big monument uh, of thousands of people. And the way they do that is with the rock music and all the fancy stuff. And, 
and the fancy buildings and 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 all that. I mean, Joel Osteen's driving a car, a three hundred and some thousand dollar car. I wonder what kind of cars his people drive who helped him to buy that house, uh, that car, plus his, I guess he's got more than one house, a multi-million dollar house. It's interesting. Um, please, please take this in the way I mean it, all right? As many of you know, I'm not a supporter of Billy Graham. I think he compromised and, and we would never support one of his crusades. But there was a lot of good things about Billy Graham, too. He never got involved with women. He never had a financial scandal. His problem was popularity. He wanted to be popular with her, and he was. I talked to someone on the, on the plane on the way to Peru after he died, and, and they asked me about him. I said, well, you know, when, when, all, when the, all the news can say is something good about you, there's something wrong. And the news media were all, all praising Billy, but they were condemning Franklin Graham because, you know, he's a radical. No, he's closer to being a fundamental than his dad, dad ever was. Um, but, you know, there was a, there it goes again. There was a thing on, 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 on uh, Facebook, and it showed the home of Joel Osteen and some of these other preachers, and it showed Billy Graham's house. Billy Graham's house is a very nice two-story house, kind of a colonial style, uh, probably maybe a couple hundred thousand dollar house, maybe 175000 Very nice looking home, but very extremely modest in comparison with Joel Osteen and these other heretics. So people, they, 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 they want to have everything revolving around them. I'm the big star. So they like to be entertained. Number three, there are modern Christians like to hear preaching. They like to listen to preaching, but they don't want to practice it. Again, Ezekiel 33, 31, and 32. And then, of course, in James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, where he talks about becoming a doer of the word and not just a hearer, only deceiving your own self. That's why I sometimes say when I get to the end of the message, okay, the easy part's done. You've heard, now comes the hard part, go and do. Paul said, the things which you've heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And so they like to listen to the preaching, but let it go in one ear and out. That was a nice sermon, yeah. How's it going to change your life? How's it going to affect your life? And then number four, and finally, um, they love the world while claiming to be saved. Uh, just like the people in, in Samuel's day. An example of that would be Demas hath forsaken me, Paul said, having loved this present world. Demas forsook the Lord. He forsook the Apostle Paul. He forsook the work of the Lord. He became a miserable, backslidden, carnal Christian. In Acts chapter 5, you have the story there of Ananias and Sapphira. who They wanted to make an impression, but they, they wanted to be careful how they made that impression. So they, they said, well, they, they made, gave the impression that they were giving all the money that they sold the property for, but they actually held some of it back. And Peter said, hey, you, it was your property. You didn't have to get any of it. This is voluntary. You could have done whatever you wanted, but you've lied to the Spirit of God, and it cost them their life. John 12, 43, the, the Lord Jesus talked about those that, that love the praise of men more than the praise of God. They want to they love the world while claiming to be a Christian at the same time, a double, double standard life. Paul wrote in Romans 12, 1, and be not conformed to this world. The word conform means to fashion or shape one thing so that it looks like it resembles another. And so Paul says we are not to allow ourselves to be fashioned and shaped 
so that we look like and resemble the world. You know, folks, there's supposed to be a difference between a child of God and the world. And the world knows that. How many times has someone in the world said to a compromising Christian, Hey, I thought you said you were a Christian. What are you doing that for? Instinctively, the world has a higher standard for Christian living than most Christians have for themselves. And I'll take that a step further. Their standard is a lot closer to the Bible standard than what many Christians have for themselves. Be not conformed. If I do, I disobey God, I therefore sin. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you'll excuse me for just a second, I'm going to sit down for a I've never done this before. I'm going to have to sit down for, for a second here. Uh, my fireside chat. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll be so glad to get this surgery and get it done with. Get it behind me. Be a new man again. No aches and pains. Take 20 years off my life. Oh, so this one goes down low. In the Man, I feel so strange tonight. And he said, they're laughing at me. Mocking the preacher. See? <laughs> I won't go any further, all right? Uh, what were we looking at? Now, what verse was I looking at? First John 2. First John chapter 2, verse 15. Um, sometimes we violinists talk about loving our, our fiddles, loving our violins. In fact, one time somebody asked me, said, if you had to make a choice between your wife and your violin, which would it be? I said, that's not a fair question. What do you mean? I said, I could always get married again. <laughs> of course, Barb heard that. And, you know, you know, if you knew my wife, you knew the looks that she could toss. You know, <laughs> those, those funny looks. You know, I, we understood each other. We, I, just a tease, and and she she took it because she had no choice. <laughs> she was not a tease back very much. All right, uh, she had her ways of getting even though. Uh, but seriously, folks, it's not that we love that violin to the point where it becomes an idol. Someday that violin still was made in 1767. Someday it's going to be burned up. It's not going to heaven. It's too imperfect. It was made by an imperfect man. It's got 28 cracks in it, so uh, it's, it's not fit for heaven. But while it's down here, it's going to sing for Jesus as long as I have it. Uh, what, what happens after I get rid of it, you know, or after I die, I don't, I don't know. That's, a, that's the Lord's business. He can do what he wants with it. But folks, we're not to be in love with the world. That means we're not to be in love with the world system. To where we, we like the way the world thinks, we like the way the world operates, and we want to be a part of that, and we want to try to bring that into the church. And that's what's happening in a lot of these contemporary churches today. They're bringing the philosophy of the world into the church. And can I tell you this? The world has nothing the church needs. In fact, it is the church that has what the world needs. We need to barricade the church uh, so that the world can't get in. Now, we want the people to come in, but not their philosophy. And there's a huge, huge difference there. Another powerful verse would be James 4, 4, where James says, and this is powerful, O ye adulterers and adulteresses. Now, remember, he's writing to Christians, James says. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you understand that? Man, whosoever will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. He's writing to God's people. Listen, folks, it is possible, according to that verse, to be a child of God and an enemy of God at the same time. 
Just go back, what, 160 years to the Civil War, particularly along the border states of Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, where, where families were torn apart, fathers fought against uh, sons and sons against fathers and brother fought against brother. They were, they were part of the same family, but they were enemies to one or the other, and their job was to kill each other or to get each other into a prisoner of war camp. Folks, that's what it's like to be in the world as a Christian and, and, and yet loving the world. God says, hey, you're an adulterer. You're, an, you're a spiritual adulterer. You are the enemy of God, not the friend of God. So this is a very serious thing that I think we need to really consider and ask the Lord to help us to guard against that we don't become people who just give lip service to him or those who like to be entertained or those who like to listen to preaching but not want to do it or those who simply want to love the world and claiming to be a Christian at the same time. Love not the world. Again, that's a command of God, folks. And if I love the world, I'm conformed to the world, I've sinned against the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the grace and the physical help to be able to speak tonight. Thank you for these who have come. Thank you for the good services we've had in the last few days. And I pray that you will take the thoughts of this message tonight and challenge our hearts. Lord, I'm not accusing anyone here of being like this. I'm simply saying, Lord, we need to warn and guard ourselves against these things taking place in our life. Honor your people. Bless your people, fathers. They're faithful to you. And I pray that you would continue to bless Pastor Gary and his wife and family and, and the ministry here, Lord, that folks will continue to be saved and, and the church will grow spiritually as well as numerically. And we thank you for our time together this week now. For Jesus' sake, amen. Pastor. I can't play from here, so I'll have to do that. Oh,
pray for one another. Um, I need your prayers and we need each other's prayers as we can, want to continue um, uh, proclaiming the word of God and reaching this community and the area around us and being faithful and surrendering. Um, none of us ever get to the point where we no longer have issues of surrender. And it's just always, we have the flesh, right? We have the old nature. As long as we have that, there's going to still be that pull. You know, the Bible says the Spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. And the two are contrary to one another, so you cannot do the things that you will. But, but Christ is worthy of surrendering everything to him. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful and I'm really sad that uh, the meetings are over, but I'm just thrilled with all the different uh, visitors that we've had and the messages we've heard, the challenges from God's word, and, and I pray that Father has helped me to grow thankful for that. I trust it's helped every believer to grow and uh, challenge folks who may have been here without Christ. Lord, help us as we follow these up. We pray that none of them will go slip away or, or get away uh, from thee, especially Lord, that we might, we might reach them with the gospel that they might be saved and that believers will be strengthened. And I just want to thank you for everybody that has come out to the services and, and bless them for it, dear Lord, and, and help us to live a really a truly surrendered life. Be with us now and as we do some loading up and things and we just ask you to be with us, watch over us in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>